Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating. Her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Is necessity truly the mother of invention? It was certainly the case nearly 50 years ago with the unintended creation of the business incubation industry. The international business incubation movement began in New York with a businessman, an empty building, and an idea of mentoring young companies through their early years, the most vulnerable period of their lives. That idea has grown worldwide to over 7,000 incubators, 1,400 plus of which are located in the United States. In 2005, the economy was still booming, and across the U.S., the talk among economic development pundits was how important entrepreneurs and small businesses are to economic growth. The talk was happening in Reno as well. In the fall of 2005, Kai Good and Larry Udell met with Dr. Ted Batchman, former UNR Dean of Engineering, and Robert Herbert from Senator Harry Reid's office. The topic was simple. What was driving the decline of U.S.-born students in technology and science programs in U.S. colleges and universities? The discussion resulted in a clear fork in the road, either complain about it or do something about it. Thus, they chose to start down the path of exploring the need and eventual creation of the Center for Unique Business Enterprises, The Cube, a startup incubator to support entrepreneurs and the emerging entrepreneurial ecosystem in northern Nevada. My guest today, Norman Smith, Director of Mentoring and Investor Relations for The Cube, who has 30 years executive manage experience, specializing in startups and cutting-edge innovations in retail technology, manufacturing, and international business development. Kai Good, Director of Academic and Community Relations, co-founded The Cube in 2006 with a vision to establish an incubator in Northern Nevada to help bridge the gap between entrepreneurs and industry and contribute to bringing startup companies into the region. I think for a lot, a lot of years, um, we saw startups and companies I was in or failed or succeeded. A lot of talk, marketing talk, sales talk, business talk. And as companies grew, it was more and more prevalent that they would often talk and not do something. So when I talked to Ted in, in early days, you know, I was tired of talking and tired of being the, in a community that did nothing. And so my sense was to either be part of it or sit down and find some way to do something about it. So in 2005, that was, yeah, 2005, that was interesting time because things were booming, but they're also on the decline. Um, students were not going into schools as much. They were being taught, taught technology in grammar school, grade school, and the rise of the student, U.S. student population was declining. So we could find some way to do something about it to make a difference. And as we've, you know, Norm and I have been doing this for six, eight, a lot of years, and uh, not just the queue, but all the more years than he promised me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we both been startups for a long time, and and to make a difference, startups make a difference every single day, 
every minute they make a decision or don't make a decision, they make a difference. In a small company, you see an impact every 24 hours. Uh, so to do, to build the ecosystem that the entrepreneurs need took some time, took a lot of community involvement, which is still, in my opinion, lacking. Uh, and, but a lot of people are stepping up. Things are changing here, so it's very encouraging. I'd like to blame him for everything that's gone wrong in my life, my whole life, but I can't quite do that. Here's what actually happened. This is my second run at an incubator. The first one occurred after I retired. There was an opportunity. I sold a business in 1995, 96, right at the end of that um, year, the beginning in 1996. It was doing business in about six countries. It had about 5,000 employees and seemed to be doing fairly well. I retired. And I lasted 180 days before I realized that was a miserable existence and there was nothing more I could fix or that I wanted to do. So a woman at SBDC, part of your background, talked me into teaching a class with her. I taught a class with her, and I ended up being asked by a group of people to please assist with building an incubator. That incubator did okay. 1999, it was Incubator of the Year. 2000, it was runner-up. And 2001, in spite of the crash, it still generated over $60 million. I like that. But after the crash, I decided that self-aggrandizement was not a really good idea. So I went to work at a company called Evolt as their CEO when it was founded. We sold it to Seagate. And again, realizing that retirement was a horrible thing to do, I got talked into another friend, unfortunately not Kai, into coming up to Reno to help them move to Reno to take advantage of the inventory tax situation. The business had about 17 stores in California. To make a long story short, I moved up and he didn't. So I bought the business. (laughs) Then I realized how much I hated that business and sold the business. In that same situation, I was particularly vulnerable when Kai said, We need to help the young people here because there's not enough support. We need to figure out a way to break down silos to help people get what they need when they need it. And since it is the job driver, startups generate more jobs than anybody else. It is the economic driver. Every dollar that comes out of a startup generates 4 to $5 in the community. And since it is a way for us to build something that doesn't exist right now in Reno, I foolishly agreed to help. Right. Well, I have a book title you should write, How to Retire Without Ever Retiring, right? <laughs> you see what he does? He says, I don't ever, I, I don't want to be in retirement, and yet he's always trying to get to retirement. I well, am. That's well, <laughs> here's the short form of what an incubator is. It's remarkably hard to start a business. You need things you don't know you need. And there is a vast array of ignorance in spite of the fact that there's 10,000 books and 100,000 articles or millions of articles on the Internet. So the question is, and always has been, what do I do first? What do I have to concentrate on? What can I let slide? You see a lot of bad advice that says fail fast. That's bad advice. Don't (laughs) fail fast. Don't fail. Do it right the first time, (laughs) and life's a whole lot easier. And so the incubator is designed to take advantage of our collective experience. And experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. And we have a lot of experience. Yes. Most companies and most incubators fail for two reasons, either lack of money or lack of talent. And talent means people with knowledge and know what to do. That same thing applies to us. We look at these companies, and without the knowledge to how to spend money or how to ask for money or how to build a product, they're going to fail. And the same thing in 
Northern Nevada in the incubator, if we don't have the support of mentors, advisors, people that can help these young companies, they're going to fail. Incubator will fail. And that's exactly the point we've been trying to build is that get the community involved. There's this ecosystem that's got to be done. If you don't have that structure, then it doesn't matter how good the companies are, they're going to not they have a very difficult time succeeding. Right. Because as he said, building a business is incredibly hard. People don't realize it's not a Facebook or Google, you get lucky. It's a business that's hard to build and it takes time, perseverance, endurance, all those kind of cliches, but they're true nice things about an incubator it's not just your you know one company is in there that you're helping you have multiple companies so you might have one that's a brand new startup you might have one that's been there two or three years so it's even about that collective of what did these people go through how did they make those decisions and so it's it's not just mentors with outside experience it's also who's sitting there in the room across the hall exactly and, and a lot of the time my mentoring is done in the hallways you walk through the hallway and you see john doe and they're down they go hey john what's up he goes i got a problem with my partner or my attorney or whatever it is so you sit there and you solve it if he if that hallway wasn't there if there wasn't the camaraderie going around um, then that issue would, would be sitting on the shelf and never get addressed so that hallway activity is incredibly important for young kids you know, young entrepreneurs to find a way through the maze yeah so to get into the incubator i'm guessing you have a bit of a vetting process right you don't want just anybody and everybody there has to be a fit or they have to have a viable idea the challenge is always the same to build a successful business it requires talent not just you but all the folks around you so that you can do a better job it requires capital if you don't have enough money you're likely to fail if you have too much money you're likely to fail and thirdly it requires definition or substance around the opportunity if you don't understand your marketplace and you don't understand what you're doing you're likely to fail so the idea is to help find the resources either in the community or in the larger world community that will help make those three things possible. If you look at that in the abstract, you really don't need the physical component of an incubator. You could do that all virtually. The problem is, because it's so hard to start a business, you end up in situations where you've exhausted your credit card playing your people or building your website and you don't want to tell your significant other. Where your significant other is tired of you spending 80 hours a week and not bringing home a paycheck. There is nobody to talk to if you're not in an incubator. So within that community to Kai's point, those significant hallway conversations also include it's the one place that you can go where you can get empathy, sympathy, or a stern talking to that says buck up, grow up, or get a job. All of those are possibilities. We've had the pleasant and unpleasant experience of dealing with all three of those on a fairly regular basis. Why incubators matter in our community. This is Sherry Hill with Kai Good and Norman Smith. This is Patrick McGoy from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill, a wealth protection diva. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
For over 20 years, we've taught thousands of business owners, investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 1-800-254-5779 to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That's 1-800-254-5779. Sage International. This is Sharon Lecter from Paradise Valley, Arizona. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she helped us get up and running with the Rich Dad Company. Sherry Hill is dedicated to your success. Welcome back to The Sherry Hill Show, doing everything possible to spark and fuel your entrepreneurial dreams. Now, here's your host, Sherry Hill. Business incubators nurture the development of entrepreneurial companies, helping them survive and grow during the startup period when they are most vulnerable. These programs provide their client companies with business support services and resources tailored to young firms. The most common goals of incubation programs are creating jobs in a community, enhancing a community's entrepreneurial climate, retaining businesses in a community, building or accelerating growth in a local industry, and diversifying local economies. The Center for Unique Business Enterprises, a.k.a. The Cube, is a Reno, Nevada-based startup accelerator, business incubator, and startup community center. Today, I'm talking with Norman Smith, who's Director of Mentoring and Investor Relations for The Cube and has a lot of experience in executive management and having founded nine successful startups and raised over $250 million in startup funding maybe a guy you want to hang out with. Kai Good, Director of Academic and Community Relations, is one of the co-founders of The Cube, which started in 2006. And Kai has a lot of ongoing businesses as we speak because you guys are in an incubator. You're starting businesses yourself. You're missing something out of that lead-in, by the way. Unlike Silicon Valley, unlike Boston, or even unlike New York, we need a whole ecosystem here. Right? It's more than just um, breaking down silos. It's more than just different people wanting to help. We need to create a fabric, an interconnected network that will allow startups to find the resources they need. In that extraordinarily well-written lead-in that you had, you talked in reverse order of what I think is most important, and this is just my opinion. The community center aspect of that, a way to get different people to come in and meet people. At some level, Reno's a small town. At another is, unless you're really well inculcated, you don't know who you don't know, and there's got to be a way to create that connection that's more visceral, that's more real, that's more meaningful than a tweet or a retweet. When we look at that, that's one of the real challenges here is to take our young people and even our not-so-young people, present company excluded, and find a way to connect them in a meaningful way. That's one of the reasons that we have a physical location. 800 Haskell? We just moved to Haskell about six months ago. It's in Midtown. And it's very cool. And so people can just... They can use our fiber-based internet for the day. They can get an office. They can use conference rooms. And mostly, they can make connections that they need to make their business better. 
and the ecosystem really is the, the foundation of that whole process. Uh, the, the ecosystem involves the academics, you know, UNR, you know, Sierra Nevada College, TMCC, West WDC, et cetera. Uh, it involves companies. It involves, you know, you got to get NV Energy involved, IGT, Microsoft, all the companies. You got to get service, service providers involved. You got to get investors involved. You got to get entrepreneurs. You got to get all these people involved where they can interact and build that community. Because it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen like Silicon Valley. It's not going to happen like Boston. It's going to be Nevada. It's going to be companies that are here that have an interest in being in Nevada. It's have people who have interest in being in Nevada. It's going to be the Nevada ecosystem. That's how it's got to be built. That's how it will be built. Anyone else who has a different idea is spinning the wheels. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. People can a, find your location, interact within your location, but also have access to, like you talk about, a lot of these different resources of, you know, individuals that are in the startup entrepreneurial world, like myself, that are out there trying to help people and really move them into what are these great resources we have in our community, because we know we can't do it on our own. That's true. The difference between an accelerator and an incubator. So, in an effort to be succinct and clear, there are somewhere north of 6 billion people on the planet. Almost without exception, every person on the planet believes they have an idea that could make somebody some money at some point in time. But not all those ideas are good ideas. So, the incubator is designed to be the first line of defense against not-so-bright ideas. So we can help people understand that they failed to look at the competition or their expectation about suddenly um, creating world dominion in a market that they know nothing about in the next 24 months is probably unrealistic. In an accelerator, we bought their story and said, okay, you could dominate the world in the next 24 months. Let us see how we can help you to do that. That's kind of the general methodology that we are using to uh, differentiate between the two. So incubators, a lot more hand-holding, I'm guessing. Well, the the, the, the inc- basic incubator is it's a, usually a facility. It's a desk, a chair, a receptionist, an internet, a telephone, a copier, all the things you need for an office that you can't generally afford to buy by your onesies and twosies. Like coffee. <laughs> or water. Just to have a curing, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's a basic incubator. Um, and what, as I said, most, most of them fail. And the reason, you know, we've tried to build it a little differently where we have access to people with money and knowledge. And that's, that's where it's probably about 10% of incubators in the U.S. have that model as well. And I think it's far more effective than just having a incubator on campus someplace and you take a desk and chair and you walk in and you walk out and you go, what was that all about? Right. Well, tell me about, you know, some of the companies that, you know, we've incubated here in our region. I mean, most people are thinking it has to be a technology-driven or a disruptive technology company, but that's not really the case. No, it's not. You know, there, there a lot of incubators have different models. You know, some do cottage industries, restaurants and hair salons, which are a, a valuable piece of the economy. Uh, what we focus on generally, not all the time, but generally, are the IP-related technologies. But we've had restaurants in there. We've had um, other service providers in there. And a lot of it gets down to the passion. And the passion is something that people forget about. 
You know, they want to, companies should walk in there and say, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do this product is the best you need to have in the world. We're going to sell a million of them, and here's why. And that passion will help companies grow. But the incubator and the companies we see, you know, a lot of them have that passion, but they need the help along the way to make these things materialize. So, so the goal of an incubator isn't necessarily, you know, I'm going to help develop this company, we're going to take it to $100 million and sell it off. For some, it's, they may want to build a lifestyle-type business. Our goal is they just be successful. Well, we're looking for, think of it as animal husbandry. We are looking for unicorns, mythical creatures, so those things that could be grown, and gazelles, those things that will demonstrate being both responsive and fleet of foot. Our chief measurement as we're screening people in terms of the vetting process that you asked about earlier is are they coachable? And coachable doesn't mean they shouldn't have passion. They really need to have passion. In a, and nobody starts a business without a reasonably well-equipped ego, right? So they've got to be able to drive the business and they've got to be able to manage it. But they've got to accept that on day one, it's rare that they know everything. And if they're not willing to keep learning and kind of adjust their course, there's not a whole lot we can do to help them. So we do use those kind of measurements. And the reality is we do have both in the incubator right now. So people some coachable, some uncoachable, demonstrating some resistance. <laughs> yeah, there is a door, right? There's the door. <laughs> right, door swing both ways. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that's the key. I, I have this little plaque in my office. I just got from my grandmother of all places, and it says, "It's what you learn after you know everything that counts." Right, and, <laughs> that's exactly and it's right. true because even someone who's been in business for you know as long as all of us have in different different businesses we're constantly learning and it is that that drive and and excitement to learn new things is what keeps you passionate and engaged and energized about your business one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy especially in this community is what i call economic dilution and that means that another hair salon another liquor store another tattoo parlor and so when you you know i start to see it in midtown how many more restaurants how many more tattoo parlors how many more little dress shops do we need when does the city or the county or whoever start to look at and go perhaps maybe we want to restrict some of these business licenses and wait for that new innovation, that new idea to come to town. Because economic dilution, to me, I see it all over the place, and I don't know that that actually helps our economy. You're right. And the reality is that requires some things that we can't actually govern in the incubator. It requires a master plan from the city or the county, and I'm still not convinced, in spite of new leadership, that they've kind of worked through all the implications of that. The second is, those are business models that people understand. They do them because they can understand, I buy something for X and I sell it for Y, and if there's enough of a difference, I can actually make a living at that. So the lowest common denominator is that reach. We call them lifestyle businesses, right? And to your point, there's too many lifestyle businesses, not only in Reno, but certainly in Midtown. But the reality is there there's a kind of fundamental change that's occurring. 
right? And so we spend a lot of time, for example, entertaining people that are talking about Tesla. Tesla's going to generate 6,400 jobs, and oh, look, that's going to be gazillions of dollars for all sorts of people. Well, the reality is most of those jobs are coming from out of state, so they don't do much for our economy. But figuring out an effective way to sell to Tesla within that is fairly effective. And so if you can take a group of people and figure out who the buyer is that you want to get to, you might actually have a viable business that's not a hair salon or a liquor store. So in that transition, I believe soon, if what I hear is correct, we'll soon have a national presence in one of the new places in Midtown. That's great good hope because it means we're being recognized. The challenge of how are we going to restrict businesses is hard to swallow. Free economies need to function as free economies. And for us, we're not real fond of the business tax, the changes that we've made to that, the kind of margin tax that are occurring. And we need to be very cognizant of if you go from $300 to $700 in terms of what it starts to start a new business, now what you've done is you've taken a whole bunch of cottage industries that may take a risk of a year or two to see if the business works before they even get a business license. That hurts the ecosystem, not helps it. Right. And we're going to go to break. and we come back, I have more on that particular subject. Stick Good. with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> this is Scott Waite, Certified Public Accountant and Management Consultant at RS Waite Chartered. You are listening to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she has tremendous personality and reaches a great business audience. Sherry Hill is an enthusiastic motivator. And with us today via telephone is Bo Eckstein. And Bo is talking with us about a great event coming up in San Ramon, California for real estate investors. It's called the REI Bar Camp. This event is the first of its kind, but these bar camps have been done for other types of businesses, specifically realtors. I found Sherry Hill online several years ago because I was looking to set up some entities for my, for different companies for my, my flipping business and my real estate holdings business. So I, I wanted to find somebody that I believed in and that could help me. She's actually set up some entities for me. She's only a phone call away. I've called her several times, and she's always got good answers. She's got good referrals. I needed a CPA, and she referred me to her personal CPA. So she goes the extra mile. I'm thrilled to have her come to this event because I know people that don't know who she is are in for a real treat. Uh, basically, bar camps started with the tech movement. Uh, a bunch of techies decided to, to put together what we call an unconference, which is more of a collaborative way. You know, too many people were sick and tired of going to the boot camps where they're just showing a PowerPoint presentation. This is a co- collaborative meeting where you get to pick your own topics. We invite some leaders from the industry. We've invited some of the top real estate flippers and apartment investors that we know to come and lead discussions at the REI Park Camp. We're going to be talking about entities. We're going to be talking about how to structure deals, private money deals, how to analyze apartment complex, how to analyze new construction, the best ways to put together joint venture deals. So all the topics that I personally and and my fellow peers want to learn about, that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk with people that are actually funding and and doing deals in in different markets, but mostly around the Bay Area, because that's where this first event's going to be held. This is a great way to truly be a successful investor, because you get the knowledge from the pros. Yeah, that's right. This is a free event. We actually have sponsorship from several different companies. 
we have lunch being offered as well. So here's an event that you don't have to pay thousands of dollars to go to. You get to network with like-minded investors, whether you're, you're a newbie or a very seasoned investor. You're going to get belly-to-belly with everybody you, you'd want to talk to. Maybe they'll be your future joint venture partner on a, on, a, on a rehab deal. There's tremendous opportunity. Everybody that comes to these events is in the sharing mode. They'll share with you. Uh, they don't keep anything closed in. So you're going to learn some tips and tricks, and it, it'll be really a really good collaborative event. And I know they're going to get a lot out of it and want to come to the next one. I think this is a great way to separate yourself from the competition, from the pack of other investors maybe that are in your market. I'm excited about the fact that Sherry Hill is going to be part of the program. I was looking to set up some entities for my, for different companies for my, my flipping business and my real estate holdings business. So I, I wanted to find somebody that I believed in and that could help me. She's actually set up some entities for me. She's only a phone call away. I've called her several times, and she's always got good answers. She goes the extra mile. I'm thrilled to have her come to this event. Yeah, absolutely. She's a wealth of knowledge. You know, they call her the wealth protection diva. She delivers. She, <laughs> she really gets it done. It's awesome. Sherry, we're, we're really excited to have you come and teach us some things here at the REI Bar Camp being held in San Ramon, California, August 29th at 10 o'clock in the morning and ending at 3 p.m. I can assure you, if you attend REI Bar Camp, you're going to learn at least three new things and probably meet your next joint venture partner. And the best part of REI Bar Camp, it's completely free. Our sponsors have taken care of everything, including lunch. To register for the event, go to www.reibarcamp.com. www.reibarcamp.com. And we're also going to put that on our Sherry Hill Show website so that people can find it easy and come on out to San Ramon, California. That way people can find it easily. Okay, sounds great. Bye. Welcome back to the Sherry Hill Show doing everything possible to spark and fuel your entrepreneurial dreams. Now, here's your host, Sherry Hill. Business incubators are business assistance programs that provide entrepreneurs with an inexpensive startup environment and a range of administrative consulting and networking services. In essence, these programs, which may be managed by economic development agencies, local governments, for-profit businesses, or colleges and universities, serve as homes for new companies. They offer low-cost space, shared equipment. An incubator usually houses about a dozen tenants who stay two to three years, then graduate to commercial space. At their best, incubators help new firms create jobs and revive communities. Indeed, statistics indicate that incubator firms have a significantly greater chance of survival than do other startup businesses. My guest today, Norman Smith, Director of Mentoring and Investor Relations for The Cube, who has over 30 years executive management experience specializing in startups and cutting-edge innovations in retail, technology, manufacturing, and international business development. Kai Good, Director of Academic and Community Relations, co-founded The Cube in 2006 with a vision to establish an incubator in northern Nevada to help bridge the gap between entrepreneurs and industry and contribute to bringing startup companies into the region. You can visit The Cube. They're at 800 Haskell. They're in Midtown. And what is the web address for The Cube? 
www.cubeatmidtown.com. Awesome. And the at is A-T, not the symbol. To be different. <laughs> of course. Unique. Business incubators and why they matter and how companies are more successful because of them. Economic dilution, which we see a lot of here. We also have, which just fries me, all this talk about economic development. And I happened to hear a speaker the other night, and he was just outstanding. And he was really talking about the difference between economic development and economic impact. Economic development is, yes, we can bring all these companies here, but guess what? If the owners, the shareholders, the stakeholders do not live here, that's not economic development because that money flows back to wherever they are. Economic impact is what you guys are trying to create through the Cube, the incubator, the accelerator programs, which is the business owner is here, the business starts here, and the business stays here. My good friend Dr. Smith has a sign on his door. He says, don't confuse effort with success. You can have 10,000 meetings. You have milestones of, I want to I have 14 meetings today or meet 10 companies or do whatever. But if all that effort has no impact, then you've done nothing. So if you make an impact, and I agree, that's a, that's a great line. The impact has got to be real. It's got to be monetarily significant. Right. Otherwise, you just talk and talk and talk. You have to stop talking at some point and do something. Right. We have a whole lot of interest in northern Nevada, right? And that might be regional or territorial. But the reality is we've got an EV program here that less than 10% of the populace knows about. We've got the fifth busiest airport around for freight during the busiest seasons of the year. We've got a China specialist in here. We've got good controls around import and export. And the reality is we have no way of connecting people that might need that with their plan. Reno's an island. I mean, when all is said and done, it's a small community with 345,000 people and some unique characteristics. The reality is many of the companies that we are seeing now have a larger, broader um, audience than that. When you talk about economic input, if impact. If somebody actually builds something here and ships it to parts unknown and the money comes back here, that has huge impact. And that's very different than a national corporation coming in, setting somebody in place, and taking the profits. Like Walmart is a good example. And I'm a fan of Walmart. I don't have the same concerns that a whole lot of other people do. They do generate jobs. But the reality is a goodly portion of that money goes back to Arkansas. Good for Arkansas, bad for us. And from Arkansas, it goes to their shareholders. And it's a curious event that we are not planning for that kind of future. We have the best logistics um, around in the western mountain states. We no longer have a logistics program at, at UNR. But it doesn't mean we should give up on what's going on. It means that the support that we can provide through yourself, through other folks like the incubator, is incredibly important, provided we can all work together to build that ecosystem. Right. Well, but I, you know, this is kind of my, uh, you know, I'm a messenger, and really, you know, I'm not buying the Kool-Aid, okay? So every day in the paper, all the excitement around all these companies that are coming here, and it is exactly that. It is not economic impact for our community. It is cost. Yes, they may provide a job. 
Yes, they might be able to allow that employee to go out and buy a new car, refrigerator, washer, dryer, maybe even a home. But the huge impact, the profits, the dollars, the investment into the community and caring about our parks and our roads and our schools and our nonprofits and all these other things does not exist. Yet. We need to make sure that that happens. You're absolutely right. And there's been some, what I perceive to be, failed attempts. It doesn't mean we should stop trying. It simply means that we need to keep doing something until we get it right. It is the antithesis of what we try to teach people at the Cube, which is do it right the first time. Right? I have another side of my refrigerator at home that says, of course, I don't look busy. I did it right the first time. We failed to do it right the first, second, or third time. Doesn't mean we can't do it right. As a messenger, that word needs to continue to get out. We have 92 public companies here in northern Nevada. We have no investor relations firm here in town. So we fail at bringing all the money that we could because we're not managing that professionally yet. We have 55 staffing agencies in here, but they all operate in an unconnected lower level. Our opportunity to bring senior executives is not as high as it should be, and it needs to get better. The reality is you want economic impact? We could go to all the BNC players, the second level, third level executives at places like Google and Yahoo. We could say to them, hey, come here. You get a 20% increase in your cost of living at the same amount of money. You can do your job and telecommute from here as well as you can from Santa Clara. And what that does is help us build long-term the methodology by which when those guys get ready to start the business, they're already here enjoying all the good things that we have. We need a plan like that that will help foster and garden your economic impact goals. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guests Norman Smith and Kai Good, both here from The Cube at Midtown, which is an incubator. We're all very passionate about making sure that our region, northern Nevada, and the rurals around us benefit from all of this great news, but we as realists understand that it's much bigger than what it is. There's a guy named Frank Levinson. He was a founder of a company called Finisar in Bay Area. Uh, made optical components 1990s, made a bunch of money. Uh, he was one of the guys I talked to before we opened this thing up. And he said, you have to create an excitement and enthusiasm and energy you know, to, make, to be successful. Uh, I don't think we have that here. A lot of the people here, whether it be academics or business or government, they're basically self-serving and they're focused on their efforts. And they are. Mike. Why are you laughing? <laughs> they are. <laughs> so it is what it is. I mean... I've heard time and time again, we need some successes. We need some companies that come in, they do what they do well, and they graduate and become multi-billion dollar companies or whatever they are, or success in their own right. And that's what we need to generate here. And we need to get break down the walls of what we're seeing. And it's getting much, much better since we came here 10, 12 years ago. We have to be willing to raise the tide and all the boats afloat. If we don't do that, we're going to be islands forever. Uh, I've seen a lot of good changes, but we have to continue pushing that to make make successes, make things exciting, make things enjoyable for companies, not just the employee, but the families. We don't want to just have a Tesla that's going to hire 20 people from a company across in southwest Reno to go to Tesla. Now we've got 20 vacant slots over here. So we need to have a net game, not just moving people around in chairs. Right. One of our recent graduates is a company called International Milk Bank. They process and prepare human milk 
for use in neonatal units. There's a 63 million ounce unmet need annually. But for them to get the financing they need, we can't get it here. They've gone to New York. New York might actually allow them to stay there. They've gone to the Bay Area, and the Bay Area said, hey, this is a cool company. We can give you the money, but we want you to move there. That's a shame. And to your point, he has the opportunity to create huge economic impact. And we need, as a community, to come together and help support those kind of efforts. We've had companies that have won the clean tech open in California, and we can't get any interest up here. We have another company won the Women Entrepreneur of the Year in California. We have no interest up here. Not that they qualify, but they should at least take a look at what's here. There's a lot of great talent here. We need to get off the dime and make something happen. But we're not giving up. We have a company now that's doing wine and whiskey, and we're thinking maybe we'll get more support here for that. More parties. (laughs) (laughs) Fundraisers. When you're in the entrepreneurial world like you and I are, that we hear all this, we see all this, we experience all this, we hear it from the people that we help set up in their business. So you go, well, why isn't the banking financial industry on board? Why are all these silos and not everybody coming together? How do we solve that? It's getting better. It really is getting a lot better. Six years, eight years ago, there was very few here. It was Dave Archer and us, and I think that was it. Now there's a lot of companies doing a lot of good things. So I don't mean to say it's not, but you have to break it down. You've got to have a common interest, a common value, a common focus on what you're doing. Like the companies you talked about, you know, they, they've gone around to look for funding and support. You can find some of that here, but they've been driven or being pulled out into other areas because they're offering things that we either don't have here or aren't able to offer here. Right. So then that company has to relocate. They get the funding. They start their business there. That community gets the economic impact, and we lose even though we invested all the time and the energy and the support to get them off the ground. Exactly. And most most startups live on the edge of, of demise and survival every single day. And every day they wake up trying to survive that day. It's not like you get you know, a bank full of money and people and sales coming in, but they try to survive every day. Right. So we need to help, you know, we the community needs to help them grow and get through those challenges. Awesome. Stick with us. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. My guest today, Norman Smith, Director of Mentoring and Investor Relations for The Cube, has 30-plus years executive management experience specializing in startups and cutting-edge innovations. Kai Good, Director of Academic and Community Relations, co-founded The Cube in 2006, and he has significant expertise in a number of different types of technologies, international business development, entrepreneurship, and applied engineering a lot of people out there like me. We've been in business a long time, and you go for help? It doesn't exist. 
And so it's like everyone's all focused on the startup. What about me, the guy that's been in business for 15, 20, 30 years, and I need help, or I need financing, or I need coaching? We recognized that when we moved to Midtown. We started a program, a Lunch and Learn series, and the reason for that was exactly to deal with all those folks that didn't come through an incubator, didn't come through a, an accelerator, but started a business, and by virtue of the hard work are succeeding, but don't necessarily have all the connections that they need to make the next step. We met a company that started in the UK by a, a CPA, or a chartered accountant in their case, that was selling premium soups. He hired someone in Minnesota. The Minnesota person got somebody by virtue of connections who was a lawyer and a university president in Seattle. He wrote me a note, and he's critical. I know that because I've known him a long time. Said, I need to talk to somebody that knows what the hell they're talking about. And I referred him to you. He wrote me back a note that said, best advice we've ever gotten. We need to do more in Reno. Now, the reality is we need more of that activity because if supology comes here, it's a credit to you and only to you, and it's very likely that that'll happen thanks to Sage International and specifically you, Sherry Hill. Thank you. Wow, that's good to hear. It is good. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 what he's talking about is getting very specific advice. Sometimes it's not always good to hear. You don't always want to hear, go get a job, go home, stop doing this. But that is real advice. And doing things of real identifying the market that he's talking about with a soup company, good. Well, I shouldn't say, I try the soup. We haven't got that soup yet, have we? Actually. <laughs> But that's exactly the advice up front and a very direct advice on how to do something and not just have, go have a meeting, go talk to some investor, but do something specific. That's it boils down to the same action versus effort, right. in my opinion. Well, and that's part of it. You know, you've been in business a while and, you know, you should have good advisors by this time, but that's not always the case. But if you don't know if you're getting good advice or not, you don't know. That's and true. that's kind of the, the problem. And I see it with, not to name industries, but the accounting profession or bookkeepers or even legal side or so on, where if I don't know the right answer because I don't even know the right question to ask, then how do I know if what you're telling me makes sense? Right? <laughs> Economic impact is remarkably difficult when we have CPAs in this town given bad advice. That's flat wrong. Mm -hmm. And I could, I suppose, name a half a dozen events, but part of what we do at the incubator is to try to steer folks away from those. They may be perfectly competent um, tax accountants, but they may not understand any of the basic accoutrements required by a startup. Like? They, like what is an 87B? An opportunity to prepay your options. And what are the tax consequences of that? Fairly new ruling, fairly important. And when you're recruiting high-quality A-team talent from other places, offering them that, you can't demand that they do it. But if you offer it, it gives them an opportunity to change the nature of how they get options. And more importantly, it gives money to the startup. And best of all, it keeps them locked in for a longer period of time so you're not likely to lose that A-quality talent. Mm -hmm. We need everybody to know those kind of things. So we do a lunch and learn. And whether or not somebody's been in town for five years or started up five minutes ago, we want them to come to those kind of things. And we typically try to find 
experts that will talk about those things. Yeah, I was at one of your evening where you had the gentleman who runs the patent and trademark mm. office come and speak and it was wonderful because it was extremely informative. You're talking directly to the source. He's sharing what's going on with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, answered questions, interacted with the audience, and I walked out of there going, wow, I learned two new things today. He's and, a great guy. Yeah. Well, we have a lot, a lot of the companies, we talk to them, we give them advice, but we always tell them, don't take our advice without at least looking into it. Don't be blind and just take you know, advice from anybody. Look at it, find someone you trust, do your homework, then decide for yourself it's that, if that's the right thing. If not, look, educate yourself more. Find someone else to talk to. But don't just talk to 15 people who get 15 different advices and to spend the time learning it yourself, understand what you have to do, then make a decision. Right. And, and that's it. You know, anytime anyone's starting a business or in business and they're ready to grow that existing company or, you know, spin off one portion of it, I mean, you really have to have people that have been there and done that. And so the Cube is not just the two of you. You have a fabulous arsenal of very talented intellectuals who contribute their time and energy and effort to helping your company succeed. And we have the largest whiteboard in Reno. And you do have the largest. I love that whiteboard. Yes, 30, 30 <laughs> feet by seven. <laughs> That's a great I, I can do my whole why do businesses fail. I should come in and do that. That's pretty we want good. You but, to. <laughs> but anyway, so again, if somebody wanted to learn about the Cube, your services, your lunch and learns, all the things that you guys are doing, if you're a startup or even someone who's already in business, it's, it's for you as well. It's not just for startups. Correct. Where would you can, like them to go? Can I make one more? comment yes. about people already in business all of us are guilty of circular logic if we're having an argument only with ourselves in our mind we always win we have no foil nobody to bounce that off of in if you get mild opposition or radical opposition from your significant other they're probably not a good person to talk to and in fact if your attorney um suffers from a rectal cranial inversion or your accountant is busy doing other things, you need someone to interact with. In what you thought you knew, in fact, you may have been an expert in when you first started your business five or 10 years ago, may have significant update dates that if you don't interact with the outside world, you fail to learn. As you know, in your business, there's remarkable changes that have occurred since 2013, and people are absolutely idiots, in my opinion not that my opinion counts, if they use things like legal Zoom, where they decide, well, hey, it's only $75 to file with the Secretary of State. I'll just go ahead and do that. I don't need any help. Right. What a huge mistake for people that are looking to actually grow their business. Yeah, you're in failure before you even start. Well, whether it's <laughs> incorporation or patent, you don't have a problem until you have a problem, then it's too late. Right. When things are going well, doesn't matter what you do. You can do nothing. Things are fine. Yeah. But when you have a problem, that's when you need to have that foundation. Well, it's, it's something I, I just thought of the other day. It's like when people come to me and I give them, you know, here's your options, here's your choices, here's what makes the most sense for you – and then I'll get the, well, you know, I can just go do it on my own through an online filing service. And it's like, you know, because they do the same thing. It's like, no, they don't. You see, they are setting you up based on what you know. I have had at least 
100 to 200,000 conversations with people over the decades about everything going on in how to start a business. So I have this whole wide range of knowledge that, yes, I'm answering the question you're asking me, but I'm asking you all these other things. That's the difference. And so same with you guys. You've answered thousands and thousands and thousands of questions, and so we can come at you with the right answer easily, right? But if you're just trying to do all this on your own, start a company, the only person you have of advice is yourself. <laughs> not always the best. Not always the best. <laughs> always not the best. Right? So I just I just figured it out. It's like I've had thousands and thousands and thousands of conversations. So it's like, trust that somewhere, somebody, right? <laughs> Anyway, you guys, it's been fabulous. I never did get, because Norman wanted to finish that statement about how do I get to the cube? Cube at midtown.com. All right, and it's atmidtown.com. You're located at 800 Haskell Street in Midtown. It is open. People should come in, check out your amazing whiteboard, right? They should. (laughs) And they can drop by at any point in time. Yeah. If they have an idea, we have now set up kind of regular hours where they can pitch their idea. They can come in and say, this is what I'm thinking. They'll get the benefit of three or four old, irritable people um, saying, what a good idea, what a bad idea. If it's a really good idea, then they get the benefit of a bunch of young millennials um, that will kind of come in as well. And if it's a really good idea, we'll invite them into the cube. And if not, we will set them up with some kind of mentor that has deep expertise in their area of business. Right. And I can I make one more comment about mentors? It's dangerous. Somebody's been 35 years at IBM advising a startup is a dangerous event because his world is actually very different. Somebody that hasn't experienced maxing out their credit cards for their last payroll and wondering what they're going to do next in the next two weeks is a person that they actually need to talk to and get mentored by who can help them through that. And those kind of things are the other thing that really worry me. We have no filters in Reno. We're trying to act as a positive filter. So the advice that they get from you when they start their business is very different than the advice that they get to from LegalZoom, to your point. It's very different than the advice they'd get from most of the attorneys in town and very different than the advice they get from CPAs. They need to come to you. We can help filter who those folks are. Great. Well, we're a team, always have been. Really appreciate that you guys are here and always want to continue this conversation so that we focus on economic impact. Yes, ma'am. All right. And don't confuse effort with success. All right. We'll catch up next week. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show. And tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show 